Hey mom, first things first, thank you. It's my one year anniversary of my decision to say, yes, I need help, and yes, I choose me. And that's the miracle. I'm lucky that the strongest person I know is my own mother. Love you, mom, Maxwell. Be that strong person who makes the difference. If your loved one is struggling with drugs and alcohol, reach out to Karen for a different kind of addiction treatment. Visit caron.org slash lost. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on, shame on you. It's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, hosted by Ben Kissel. the show i am ben kissel that's marcus parks hey ben marcus i like your shirt it says the berenstein bears berenstein bears berenstein bears mm-hmm. it was a nice gift from a from a fan oh awesome yeah what is that called that's the uh mandela what? effect the mandela effect that's it um i have a lot of bragging to do we got a lot of we got a lot to get to we're going to talk about the uranium one a scandal very big deal just because hillary clinton uh is corrupt doesn't mean donald trump isn't horrible i want to get that <laughs> off uh i want to just throw that out there right now let's just throw that out there just yep. remember that we can talk about both <laughs> like you don't have to do a but oh. what about i get it I, oh I, my goodness i absolutely get the urge i have to actually stop myself from that doing that it a lot is. like i really i really do have to stop myself like when someone you know says something uh mm-hmm. negative uh towards you know what what the the things that i believe in i have to stop myself from doing it, it but what about because, but what about yeah but what about no no we're not talking yes. about that you can't or you can't make an argument by saying how horrible the other side is you got to make an argument based on your own principles there it is i had to go on fox news this morning and try to uh well i did talk about it and uh yeah for they, nothing else matters. Uh, they pretend as if Hillary Clinton was elected. Uh, and they're like, this is the biggest scandal hitting the White House. But it's not because she isn't occupying uh, the White House. But it is a very interesting scandal. The Clinton Foundation took $145 million uh, from individuals. Uh, we ended up giving 20% of our uranium from Kazakhstan to the Russians in a whole roundabout deal with a Canadian company. So we'll get into that. It is extremely fascinating. Uh, we're also going to talk a little bit more about the soldiers in Niger that were killed. Really horrific stuff. Obviously, Sergeant David Johnson, uh, his wife is now uh, in the media talking about how her feelings were hurt regarding Donald Trump and his approach to his, um, I guess, condolences phone call, uh-huh. uh, where, his, where he was uh, attempting to extend condolences uh, to the family of the fallen soldier. Uh, and then we will also get into a little bit of the unbelievably ridiculous and stupid petty feud between Bob Corker and <laughs> Donald Trump. They're taking it to Twitter like middle school children, and uh, no good will come from it, and it doesn't matter. Nope. So that'll be our lighthearted story of the day, despite the fact that media is pretending as if that is on par with the fact that North Korea 
wants to kill us. Uh, so that's good. Everything is looking great from that perspective. And uh, I do want to go back and talk a little bit more again about the opioid epidemic. We spoke about these issues on the last dumpster fire chats, but I apologize. I record those in my closet mm-hmm. and I usually have five jackets on either side of me. Uh, those are Jose Bank and occasionally a men's warehouse. Every once in a while. I know where to go. <laughs> You're going to the men's warehouse. It's the male version of the dress barn. And uh, I, I took too many out, I think. So it sounded kind of uh, tinny. So I appreciate you uh, listening to that episode for the content. And you know what? You don't even got to tell me if the sound's bad. Yeah. Because there is no larger self-critic uh, of myself than me. So I already know. Oh, so yeah. you, you don't even have to type anything. I'm just <laughs> look. I'm telling you, save the 14 seconds it takes to tell me that the audio was horrible. Uh, you can just feel free to keep that thought to yourself and just know that I already know. <laughs> <laughs> so don't don't even stress it. So let's get in here. Oh, I, oh, oh I, wait, I forgot I have to brag. Oh, that's right. Because I fixed your phone, Marcus. You did. Tech genius, Ben Kissel. <laughs> Tech genius, you took a fucking thumbtack and dug lint out of the charger port. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. Tech and that genius. was a fucking trick you learned from your brother-in-law. <laughs> yeah. Yes, Don did teach me how to take lint out of a phone, which is the extent of my technology prowess. But I feel, I'm confident, I feel proud. I, you should, man. And, we, should, we need to take our yeah. little victories where we can. Absolutely. For all of the hours spent that you have spent putting together every single live show every time we get to a venue i'm just like where's the beer and marcus is like i'll set up for two hours because they don't know what they're doing and let me just save the day and like i'm six beers in by the time we hit the stage and i'm like magic huh all this stuff works because of magic isn't that something but leave it to me to take lint out of a phone if anyone has a problem with their phone charger check it for lint uh-huh. and realize it can take a beating it's a belly button it's the belly button of the phone yeah i punch and, that all day long oh absolutely once that belly button is tied up give it a couple of weeks to heal and then it's strong <laughs> so that's it so a new congressional probe of the 2010 sale of u.s uranium to russia led by former secretary of state hillary clinton is examining if the fbi alerted senior obama administration officials about corruption among the transactions of Russian players. Now, of course, the interesting thing with this, Robert Mueller, the now the man now in charge of the Russian special counsel, which is going into a way that maybe the Democratic Party isn't necessarily liking it. Mm. He's investigating a lot of Democrats as well now. Yeah. A there's lot of a, chips might fall here. Who was the guy? There, there's like a big, uh, there's a big Democrat that's about to get wrapped up in this whole Russian scandal. Yes. I can't remember exactly who it was, but it's it's really starting to bring all the rats out to light. There have been a lot of names kind of rolled up into the possible Russian collusion in 2016 and just Russian interaction uh, with U.S. officials throughout the uh, throughout the years here. I mean, Putin is uh, a master of of manipulation. You know what, man? And uh, he certainly shows it on a regular basis. I don't care if it's Democrats. I don't care if it's Republicans. All I yeah. want is Russia out of the United States. Yeah, man. All I want is them out of our political way, system. Did you notice this only happened after Patrick Swayze died? <laughs> the Swayze, Red Dawn Swayze. Yeah, the red, so Red Dawn wins. We need Swayze back. <laughs> nothing nothing happened with the Russians when Swayze was around. I'd say technically things didn't start getting really bad until Bowie died. Oh, we need them both back. <laughs> yeah, we. I think especially Bowie. But uh-huh. it really does seem like the world really started going downhill after Bowie died. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to stick with uh, both of them. Yeah. So now this was the FBI. In 2009, this deal was brokered under then-FBI director, of course, Robert Mueller, who is now, as we just said, invested 
investigating the special, he is the special counsel in the Russian investigation, which really kind of puts this whole thing into a strange uh, sort of predicament and really gives you some insight to uh, how intertwined these individuals who work in Washington and how interconnected their lives are. And just when we talk about uh, established people, career politicians or career uh, political figures, whether it be the FBI or senator or Congress uh, person, uh, they really do have a stranglehold on so much information and just so much of where our co- what our country does is really uh, directed by a small, small group of people. The fact that Mueller, former head of the FBI, uh, knew about this Uranium One deal, and now he's the only one they could think of to be special counsel into Russia. There's no one else? Well, they probably didn't even remember. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe so not. Many, like, there's so many different things, you know, and that's some of the things that, you know, that people talk about with, you know, the Trump administration, guys like Manafort and, uh, was it Jared Kushner? The you Kush. Know, you know, and they're, you know, failing to put, you know, certain conversations that they had uh, with certain Russian yep. companies. You know, you wonder if they uh, were just straight up lying or if they just don't fucking remember because they well, they do so many of these deals. Mm-hmm. These, I mean, we're so intertwined right now. Totally. And, you know, you wonder. Does a does a fish even know it's wet? Because <laughs> yeah. they were just surrounded by this stuff nonstop. You you get the oh, feeling I didn't they know just that don't, was bad. Oh, I didn't know. <laughs> I had no idea. It's like yeah, you're not supposed to make deals with the Kremlin <laughs> when you're running for office. So no. so what does this mean? Does this mean that Mueller could possibly be get taken off of this investigation? Well, he won't be taken. Well, he won't be put onto the Uranium One investigation if they do decide to get a special counsel for it. There has been some talk about getting Mueller just out of the investigation for the Russian collusion investigation and. Uh, altogether, although I don't really think that that's going to happen. He's made so much um, progress already with it. I am mm. pretty sure he's going to stay put hit there, but there, of course, he will not have anything to do if there is another special counsel. But you know what I'm beginning to think? They're not that special after all. <laughs> How many freaking special counsels do we have to have before we just start calling them counsels? Yeah. I'm so, like, it's ridiculous. We just call it the Russian Council. That's I mean, it. It's going to be a, a, an entire wing of the fucking government before this year's over. Oh, my. Yeah, that's the one area where Donald Trump is definitely adding government jobs in, in special <laughs> councils. Uh, and, of course, Obama and, uh, and Hillary uh, to blame as well for that. So just a long story short, this is according to, to court filings. Uh, revealed. Now, this is by The Hill. This was last Tuesday. In 2009, the FBI found enough evidence to suggest Vodman, Vodman Mikrin, who headed the Rosatom subsidiary 10X, was corrupt and high-level officials at Rosatom knew about his bribery scheme. So in 2014, this dude ended up pleading guilty in a U.S. court to orchestrating more than $2 million in bribe payments through shadowy, shadowy accounts in Cyprus, Latvia, and Switzerland. Senate Judiciary Committee Chairman Chuck Grassley announced his committee's probe of the deal during a hearing with Attorney General Jeff Sessions uh, that was last week, and the FBI said currently it has no comment uh, about whether Mueller was alerted by senior Obama administration officials, including Clinton, about the investigation before they brokered the deal. So what happened was Rosatom, this this company that was led by this dude who was incarcerated mm-hmm. because of the 2014 uh, findings, Rosatom began its purchase of Uranium One, a Canadian mining firm. So Uranium One is a Canadian mining firm right. uh, that has licensed to mine American uranium deposits in Kazakhstan. Okay, so Kazakhstan is where all of this uranium is. The sale ended in 2013 and transferred the uranium, which made up 20% of American reserves, into Russian hands. Okay. So that's really... so. 
The United States has uranium in Kazakhstan, which we allowed a Canadian company to have control over. We somehow found a way to get that Canadian company to sell that uh, money or to, to sell that uranium to Rosatom, the uh, the Russian uh, organization, and that comes with the kickbacks from the Clinton Foundation, from the Russian government, from the Kremlin, from Rosatom, which of course has ties to the Kremlin. Because if you have any industry in Russia, you have ties to the Kremlin. That's the way an oligarchy works. So that's the, hence the collusion. That that's the that's the scandal. Bill Clinton got five hundred thousand dollars to go speak at a Rosatom company, whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know why he deserves five hundred thousand dollars. And the Clinton administration has received a total of one hundred and forty-five million dollars from uh, from this group, from this company. From Rosatom. And, and other companies surrounding it that are invested in securing this uranium from Kazakhstan. Right. So that's that's the deal. So the Clintons, Hillary, as, sec- as Secretary of State, Hillary Clinton organized basically the transfer of Uranium One to be purchased by Rosatom, which then took 20% of the oil reserve, of the uh, of the uranium reserves uh, and put them into U.S. hands that were held in Kazakhstan. Here's the big question. Is this illegal? Well, that is the big question. Yeah. And that's I mean, why we need this- a special counsel. <laughs> that is, is the this, question. It's is this sketchy illegal as hell. or is it just sketchy? It's sketchy yeah. as hell. And that's why a lot of people, you know, with the whole like lock her up, there's a lot of people on my Twitter feed today say she's guilty of all this stuff. She hasn't been found guilty. Uh, she hasn't. There's been no due process in the case, but it is without a doubt extremely sketchy. And the Clinton Foundation, in my personal opinion, as most of these political foundations, a lot of these so-called charities... They're just they they are money funneling operations. Yeah, of course they are. The Clinton Foundation hasn't done anything for anyone. They yeah. give very little percentage of what they actually uh, take in to these charities that they supposedly are trying to help. Uh, they they just don't do a lot, and um, so th- that's where the scandal lies, and that's where people see this stuff and the immense amount of mistrust that people have when they look at Hillary Clinton, when they think about the Clinton administration of the '90s, and then when they think about the Obama administration, which is now obviously being tied into this. A lot of the Obama administration scandals seem to stem from Hillary Clinton. If you look, <laughs> yeah. if you look at Libya, if you look Except at Uranium for One, Fast and now, Furious, Fast and Furious. Yeah, which, that was well. That was Holder. That was Eric Holder, I believe, put in place under uh, the fella there with uh, with W's administration. That was one of those crossover um, crossover projects, which was absolutely counterintuitive and extremely stupid because mm. they lost all the. For those that don't know, the Fast and Furious, uh, the idea behind that was sort of the world's dumbest fishing expedition, mm-hmm. where they they basically branded a bunch of guns with unique uh with uh with unique um uh chips and and so we could we could follow the follow the guns theoretically yeah and we lost all of them yeah, of course so we just gave uh we gave mexican drug cartels just thousands and thousands of guns <laughs> like and it led to awesome the rest of guns like, too. awesome guns, like really cool <laughs> guns and it led to the arrest of like no one and everyone's just like well they, I, I don't know what happened to them and that is just a classic yeah. federal government stupidity yeah yeah it was it was extremely stupid uh but yeah you're right most of uh, Obama scandals did come from uh, from Hillary Clinton. It's it's kind of a it's kind of insane. There, she's a yes. one big distraction. It's an interesting story. She's yeah. an interesting gal. Uh, between 2008 and 2010, Uranium One, again that Canadian mining firm, and former Eurasia investors donated 8.6 million to the Clinton Foundation. Uh, these donations were made while the Uranium One sale was being hammered out. So this is where you have those two years where they got nearly nine million bucks from them. And they were hammering out this deal. And mm-hmm. these people, they know what's going on. 
Uh, it's just to me, it seems fairly it, it either extremely coincidental, uh, but they're 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 too intelligent to make this coincidental. And I don't Way think you have a nine million dollar interaction uh, and in twenty percent of the U.S. uranium. I just don't I just don't think it could be possibly coincidental. <laughs> yeah, it's like nine million dollars. Oh, you're the ones that bought all that uranium. Oh, what a coinky dink. That's a dink. That's a coinka dunkle. <laughs> oh, so, no. Boy, anyway. it's a small world, huh? Yes, I am trying to wrap my head around that scandal the best that I can. And yeah. that's basically it in a nutshell. And again, it does not mean that everything is going fine in the Trump administration. It absolutely does not. But if this was uh, a Clinton White House, you know, these stories, I think, would get more press they would be um, th- this would this would be the Russian collusion scandal under Hillary Clinton. And this is, again, yeah. why 2016 cannot be repeated. We have to have candidates that we I know it's always like you vote for who sucks less. I get that for the most part. I understand that that's how elections work. Oftentimes you can have a candidate. However, in 2008, I firmly believe Obama had a lot of people. Uh, you know, really into him, and he was encouraging. Of course, four years uh, later, I believe it was more of a who could suck less uh, uh, contest. But this is why we cannot have another 2016 in this country, because both of these people, the Trump administration, everything that, you know, Trump University, the amount of just fraud with, with all of Trump's charities, both of these people are just horrible, and they're not actually helping out the people that they pretend to be helping out, and that's what's so unfortunate. So that is... The scandal, the Uranium One scandal in a nutshell, and that's what uh, right-wing media is going to be talking about now for the next three years. And it's going to be used as a possible distraction as uh, God knows what continues to happen within the the Trump administration and God knows what continues to happen uh, with U.S. foreign policy and uh, and domestic issues. I mean, she just handed them a gigantic but what about. I mean, there's there's for the next few years, yep. there's always going to be a but what about. And it's always and it's the same shit as always where it's like everything's fake news except for the thing that's that makes me look good. And every, everything's every, fake news right. except for the thing that makes my opponent look bad. If it's mm-hmm. if it makes my opponent look bad, then not fake news, but if it makes Not me look news. bad, then it's absolutely fake news. And it doesn't even matter if it's from the exact same source. It could even be from the exact same journalist. Oh, yeah. And it's still fake news unless, unless it's good. Unless it's good. And well, then it's that's wonderful news. Hillary did call this baloney. They finally got it right. Yeah, yeah. that's that's Trump. And then Hillary called the, the Uranium One scandal baloney. Baloney? So it's all fine. It's baloney. How did she not get elected? <laughs> I don't know. It's baloney. <laughs> that's, that's what happened. Oh. So let's move on a little bit here. I want to continue the conversation about opioids. I want to thank everyone who emailed me um, and expressed their, uh, their concerns and gave me some of their life experiences when it came to uh, opioids uh, and their experiences working in the medical fields. Uh, I want to talk about this new bill. I talked about it again in the last dumpster fire chat, but I know uh, we didn't have missed a pox here, so I want to talk to Marcus about it. So basically, there was a bill that was pushed through after $102 million uh, in related lobbyists. The name of the bill is Ensuring Patient Access and Effective Drug Enforcement Act. And which is, they're always so cute. They're always such nice names as if they're doing it out of the goodness of their heart. They always do that shit. Like the whole, like, always, it's always about access. It's yes. like, we're giving you freedom. A- Iraq, you know, it's like Operation Ra- Iraqi Freedom. Yeah, Thank Operation you. They were Iraqi so happy. Right to work. All that yep. shit. It's always, we're taking it, like, it's taking shit away from people, but crafting the bill to sound like it's actually giving you something. Yes. And now that I mentioned Iraqi, uh, Operation Iraqi Freedom as well. 
George W. Bush is not cute. George W. Bush is a war criminal. George W. Bush was the worst president in our lifetime. He is the reason we are in the longest war in United States history. He is the reason we have hundreds of thousands of injured, tens of thousands of dead Americans, not to mention countless thousands uh, of injured, uh, you know, individuals overseas and people killed overseas. So George, hundreds of thousands, hundreds of people, and hundreds hundred, of thousands, the maybe blood more. of hundreds of thousands yes. of people is on the hands of George W. Bush and never forget that even if you are uh, even if you are hawkish I, I mean i agreed with going into afghanistan obviously agreed with uh, disagreed uh with going into iraq iran is going to end up taking over the the vast majority of iraq all that w cheney rumsfeld ashcroft all they did was strengthen the exact people they were attempting to kill if they were even attempting to kill them or perhaps it was just a petty family feud between saddam hussein uh w and the cronies that he had all around him. So W is not a cute president. He was not a good president. And I am so annoyed with people trying to put him on this pedestal of like, I wish he was back. I don't. I t- I take Trump over him. We deserve. We deserve where we are. He is one of the reasons why we're here. Yeah. If and that's why when Donald Trump was on stage in 2016, calling Jeb uh, and the Bush family war criminals, people were cheering. You know, that's one of the er- That's one of the areas he was able to exploit. Because the Bush administration failed this country so hard that they that they left such a uh, a disdain for government, they yep. left such a, a a mistrust of government. Because after 9/11, his approval ratings were in the 90 percentile, uh-huh. and he had full carte blanche to do anything. And he could have done such great things. Could have gone into Afghanistan, destroyed Al Qaeda, got out, focused on education, focused on immigration, focused on the domestic issues he ran on. Chose not to do that. Chose to become a uh, a wartime president. Failed miserably. I'm going to say it. F W Bush <laughs> because uh, he he, broke, he was horrible. He broke their hearts. He broke a like, lot of people's hearts. Like he real. I mean, he really did. You know, and the and economy that, was crap. Everything the, sucked. And you know, and that's it, it. Sounds like a joke, but it's it's absolutely true because people yes. really believed in George W. Bush. Republicans really believed mm-hmm. in George W. Bush, and they wanted him to succeed so bad. They wanted him to be right. That's so right. bad. They had so much riding on George W. Oh, Bush being it. right. Yeah, and then once. It got to be 2007, 2008, yeah. especially 2008, when it, 2007 came around and people are starting to say like, oh, this Iraq thing isn't working out it's too good. And then the crash came in 2008 mm-hmm. and people looked around and said, fuck, oh, we got screwed. We, they, got, we got absolutely screwed. They handled that whole thing horribly. They didn't do the surge. First of all, they didn't, if they're going to do a surge, do a surge. And then they also, so they half-assed a surge. Uh, two years too late anyway. Yeah, uh, and then the Republicans came in for eight years and talked about how they had a demon in the White House. Right. That there was a, an awful person that was there. Like, it, it made it even worse. It made it took that heartbreak and it turned it into bitterness and yeah. resentment. Well, and Obama could have done a lot of things better as well. All, all presidents can do things better. I, I'm just so annoyed. I watched better. the Bill Clinton. I watched Clinton with W. Uh, they were giving some uh, some duo interview. And, uh, you know, they're they're great friends. And it just which is, you know, they're they're one of a club of 45 people uh, in their minds, probably 44 people, because I don't think they count Trump No. Um, (laughs) And uh, so I understand that. But uh, they're cracking jokes to each other. They love it. And W just continues to make his he says a sentence and then he has like the world's smallest crowd like laugh. (laughs) 
And his, like after every sentence, like, like who who is that inside of you? Let them out. It's like the movie Dead Alive. I'm like get out of get the, out of the mouth. Then if you have what is going on in there, it's like a little focus group that loves his stupid sentences. And and I'm I'm sick of Bill Clinton's face as well. Uh, if you, you know, the more that I think about the '90s and we more the more that we live in the policies that the '90s created, the more I have total disdain for Bill Clinton. Mm-hmm. Not to mention his history of of other uh, issues that we're not going to get into here, because uh, quite frankly, between that and I just don't want to go down that road right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's get back here with the um, with the OxyContin issue. So 102 million bucks uh, given in lobbyist expenditures for this bill, ensuring patient access and effective drug enforcement. Pharmaceutical Research and Manufacturers of America gave almost 41 million. CVS Health, we've all gone to a CVS uh, store, gave almost 33 million. National Association of Chain Drug Stores gave 8 million. You can find all of that in this Washington Post article. Um, basically, what happened is just absolutely astounding. We have 200,000 individuals who are dead now because of the opioid epidemic. We have Donald Trump, who is coming out next week, and he's going to give us, uh, or perhaps actually maybe later this week, and he's going to address it. If anything, if it's anything like how he's addressed this issue previously, uh, he's going to be law and order about it. He's going to say, kids, don't start. That's how, you know, don't start uh, doing the drugs at all. That's how you avoid it. <laughs> the FDA allowed for patients as young as 11 years old to be prescribed OxyContin. That was in 2015. The, the FDA told doctors that they could prescribe OxyContin to 11-year-olds. That should send a chill down everyone's spine. When we, This is the first time we have seen an epidemic like this. It's killed three times more people than Vietnam. It is the first time we've ever seen the government push it forward. Yeah. And how is that possible? Tom Moreno, a, a Republican out of Pennsylvania, and Orrin Hatch. You know Orrin? He's out of Utah. Tom, I believe, got 100000 Orrin Hatch got 177000 from these folks. They're the masters. They're the, they're the crafters behind this bill, even though these pharmaceutical companies, they make the bill, and these politicians sign it. That's all that happens. The, the, it is made in the, in the lawyer's room of these pharmaceutical companies, and these politicians with zero balls, zero backbone, bought and sold, completely not thinking about their constituents, go along with it for their own political gain. Tom Moreno was supposed to be the drug czar. He was going to be appointed by Donald Trump to be the nation's drug czar. Uh, since this article has broken, since the 60 Minutes expose, he has uh, he has withdrawn his name from uh, from contention. It is unbelievable. This is why the system is broken. This is why people <laughs> hate Washington. It is so transparent. It is so obvious. We are in the middle of an epidemic, and Washington has just strangleholded, uh, strangleholded, strangleheld. Put, a, put, on a, put, <laughs> put in a, a stranglehold. Put a stranglehold on the DEA. Yeah, the DEA cannot even prosecute these people. The only person that wanted to do it was fired in 2015. Uh, it is. This is the war. You want to have a war on drugs? You got to have a war in the pharmaceutical industries. And I firmly believe we should take them down the same way that big tobacco was taken down. They need to start putting money into uh, into research. They need to start putting money into rehabilitation, and they need to stop advertising on television. Yeah, they need to get out of the mainstream, and they certainly have to uh, never. They should no longer. Uh, be allowed to give any kind of kickbacks uh, to doctors. I had a, a, a nurse call in. 
uh, when I was hosting Fox News Radio. He calls his patients customers. Evidently, that's like a normal thing. Fuck. Somebody emailed me if, if he worked for a profit prison or a nonprofit prison or prison uh, <laughs> hospital. Rather. I'm so used to saying for profit prison that it just. Yeah. Yes. If he worked for a for profit hospital or a nonprofit hospital, I don't know the answer to that. But he referred to patients as customers. And I was like, is that common? And he's like, that's what they are. They oftentimes doctor shop. And what happens is patients are able to grade doctors the exact same way that you grade an Uber driver. Zocdoc. Yeah, exactly. And if, if you get some bad reviews and you're a doctor, you might, God knows what, you could lose your license. You might, uh, at the end of the day, it's just going to hurt your business. Mm-hmm. If it, and that's exactly what these things are. So you have patients who are going there demanding pain medication, and if they don't get it, the doctor is going to have a black mark on their resume because of it or a black mark on their career because of it. So it's not... Um, there's no incentive for doctors to stop the flow of opioids coming into this country. And they're not coming from Mexico. They're not coming from Canada. There are there are quite a few coming from Canada. <laughs> but the, 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 the call is coming from within the house. It's coming from within the United States. And it's coming from big pharmaceuticals. Uh, you know, obviously, yes, some Canada... Uh, the heroin, obviously, yes, there's no denying there is a massive drug trade in this country. That's most likely coming from Mexico or, as we saw in Vancouver, probably coming from Canada as well. Yeah. Big pharmaceutical companies share the bulk of the blame for the opioid epidemic. These other industries, such as illegal drug trade, they're just sort of side profiting off of it. Well, we you always know, they're, they're the uh, they're the Gatorade. But the basketball is, uh, you know, is uh, the the um, is the big pharmaceutical companies. When we were growing up, that's what we always heard about. Weed was weed was the gateway drug. Right. Like you can't you can't smoke weed because if you smoke weed next is crack, then it's meth, then right. it's heroin, then you're dead. Right. Uh, and now the gateway drug is endorsed by the government. Totally. The gateway drug is prescribed yeah. by your doctor. There is no more dangerous gateway drug than doctor prescribed opioids because you yeah. go straight from opioids. Once that runs out, once that stop, stops mm-hmm. working or once you can't get it anymore, next step is heroin. The, I mean, yeah, that's it's, it. It's right there. And yep. I know a hell of a lot more people that went from opioid to heroin than went from weed to heroin oh absolutely and you know people think about drug dealers as some sketchy dude in a hoodie on a street corner uh it's a it's a dude in a white lab coat that's who it is it's a guy with uh, way too many pens i don't know why they have so many (laughs) pens um who is telling you from a position of trust a position of power that these are the opioids you need until you'll be fine or you have the patient who is demanding uh the opioids and the doctor feels as if they're handcuffed because if they say no again it's going to be a black mark on them, and they're not going to get the same uh, funding as other uh, uh, as other hospitals might get. There was a CVS pharmacy, as a matter of fact, in a small town of 400, uh, according to this uh, 60 Minutes expo that, uh, expose that I saw. They had 9 million pills over the past few years. It was a town of 400 people, unless they are like the clumsiest people of all time. <laughs> if they're all just a bunch of people named Jerry Lewis, uh, and they are acting like, he, you know, like, uh, like French comedians, there is, it's incomprehensible why they would need nine million pills. So help me understand this this bill here. What did the bill 
prevent exactly fines to be given to pharmaceutical companies for over uh, prescriptions for j- the entire thing mm-hmm. is just allowing pharmaceutical companies to have a complete clean slate to give as many pills as they want. There is no ramifications whatsoever for how much they give. It just again it hang back in the day. What used to happen was the DEA, the little power they had, they would just fine these companies mm-hmm. millions of dollars uh, after a lot of after a uh, after you know extensive research into why these companies were complicit in. In, uh, illegal activity, they were able to find them. Uh, and then what happened was uh, they found out quickly, the, the DAA agents who were working on these cases, that they were the ones who were, uh, you know, being uh, questioned. They were mm-hmm. the ones like, why are you researching these pharmaceutical companies? What do they think you're doing? they're doing wrong? They realized that the power was with the company. Yeah. Uh, and it was not with, uh, with, their, with their role in the federal government. The DEA was completely handcuffed uh, with this bill. So that's what it does. It just allows these pharmaceutical companies to have zero ramifications economically uh at all just nothing when it comes to uh the uh unbelievably undeniable ramifications and uh and side effects of what their drugs are doing they're killing people i mean they're just killing 200,000 yeah. people and this number is going to go up they say it's supposed to be around 60,000 uh next year and continue to rise it's the biggest drug epidemic we've had i mean you have to ask yourself with people like Orna Hatch and Tom Moreno when they're taking that check uh, are they is are they rationalizing it? Are, are they rationalizing it by saying it's like, well, yeah, you know, some people will die uh, because I take this check and because we put this bill through, but I've got more important things to take care of. You know, this check allows me to take care of more important things. Or do they just not fucking care? Do they just not care? Do they only care? I don't know. Do they do they shit? Do they like it? Do they like being in a position where people can die? Where you know, their decisions their decisions are you know the the guillotine well, over the neck? They do. Uh, you know, there is this aspect of personal responsibility, and I think they kind of go back to that, and that's the ultimate. That's sort of rational, safe space. That's their rationalization. That's the, they make yeah, their choice. That's their safe space for it. Mm-hmm. But again, a child, a twelve year old, a thirteen year old. It, they, if a doctor is giving them a opioid, that child is not to blame. Mm-hmm. It is the adults to blame. So that's the whole problem with the independent. I un, I agree with that. We all have our own independent choices. We make our choices, and we have to live with the consequences. But in this case, these children are being preyed upon by a by an industry that is benefiting greatly. From people who are addicted. Yes. Without a debt. The same, and I'm not going to say, hey, you know, Bud, Bud Light should give me a, a, a damn sponsorship. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's big, big. Let's not pretend like big alcohol doesn't benefit greatly from the alcoholics. <laughs> I drink I drink as much as 12 men. And Budweiser <laughs> says, we love that Ben Kissel. He's, he's a 12-guy drinker. Well, the whole personal responsibility thing doesn't fucking not wash here. with me. That doesn't wash no. with me here. Not even with adults. Because you get a guy that has a bad back injury. He's He works construction he he works construction he he hurts his back he has a, an on the job incident he gets prescribed oxycontin he asks the doctor he says doc is this safe can i take this and the doctor who's getting kickbacks from the company says of course it's safe i wouldn't give it to you if it wasn't safe right. and then suddenly that guy's prescription runs out but you know what he's fucking hooked now so where does he go he goes to the fucking street corner he gotcha. goes to the fu- he goes to the guy that's selling him he or, goes to he yep. goes to the guy, mm-hmm. and then after that, after he can't get that anymore, he goes to the guy that's fucking selling heroin. Absolutely, and that's not his. Of course, 
you know, the the people like Orrin Hatch probably say it's like, well, when it runs out, he should have just stopped. He should have just stopped. But they don't there. want him to stop. That's, that's not how it works. Yeah, that's not how addiction works so, at all. It's just a total and complete lack of empathy for your fellow human being, yep. and it's a it's a lack of understanding for how anything works. And that's why this needs to not be treated as a criminal issue, which is the other aspect of all of this is. This is going to the the vicious pipeline of people that go into our prison system. It all stems from this kind of stuff. If Donald Trump, and it looks like he's going to, uh, because that's what he has sort of alluded to in the past, and that's what Jeff Sessions has alluded to, of course, again, the guy who has great interest in private prisons. Um, not that many of these people would go to pri- uh, private prisons. Those are uh, those are held. Uh, those are main, mainly uh, people are, who are held there are uh, undocumented individuals. But this is all the pipeline to the prison system. It all yeah. it all comes together, uh, and the federal government is making bank on it. Political action committees representing the industry contributed at least one point five million dollars to the twenty three lawmakers who sponsored and co sponsored four versions of this bill. And Marcus, you're going to love this. Um, again, a hundred thousand bucks for Marano, Marino, and one hundred and seventy-seven thousand dollars to Hatch. The drug industry, the manu- This is according to Joseph T. Renazzi, uh, who ran the DEA uh, division. The DEA's division responsible for regulating the drug industry. He said the drug industry, the manufacturers, wholesales, distributors, and chain drug stores have an influence over Congress that has never been seen before. And besides the sponsors and co-sponsors of the bill, few, law, few lawmakers knew the true impact the law would have. It sailed through Congress and was passed by unanimous consent, a parliamentary procedure reserved, reserved for bills considered to be, you're going to love this, Marcus, non-controversial. <laughs> that's, how, that's how crazy and up the pharmaceuticals, you know what, these politicians are. It didn't even go through a procedure of proper vote. It so went through because the they're all getting money from the pharmaceutical industry. Basically, it sailed through Congress and was passed by unanimous consent, a parliamentary procedure reserved for bills considered to be non-controversial. That is how crazy it is. And this was under this was a uh, this was Obama that signed this one into law because this was in 2015. So, the, is so there, was this where the the Democrats in control then? Or? Yes, this was this was a, a law that was passed uh, in 2015. So no, the Democrats weren't in control because no. of course they had uh, the Republicans had the House and the Senate. That's right. Yeah. Um, but Obama signed it nonetheless. That's how high this goes up. And of oh. course, when you have Trump and his administration, they're going to uh, continue this. And uh, again, we're going to see the law and order what I believe will be a law and order take on it, angle on it from the Trump administration is going to be completely counterintuitive, completely counterproductive and do nothing but feed the prison industrial complex. Uh, and of course, disenfranchise people from voting and everything else uh, across the board. So this needs to be handled from a medical perspective from we, we need big pharmaceutical companies to step up to the plate, which there is no incentive for them to do and certainly less incentive uh, now. They need to step up to the plate and start financing uh, rehabilitation centers, uh, drug rehab centers, and they need to be really just uh, completely banned, in my personal opinion, for marketing to children and marketing on uh, television and, of course, social media and things you can't control. But what happened with big tobacco, uh, you know, you, you saw the drop. Uh, in in uh, in smoking and in tobacco use. Uh, in other words, kids got a lot less cool. Um, but no, I'm just joking. But uh, that's what has to happen here. And it we are just going the wrong direction. Both parties are complicit. 
uh, Obama administration, uh, and now Trump will continue it on. And that is the problem with Washington, and that's just the problem with politicians who are completely bought and sold, and they just lose total sight of their constituents back home. It's, it's unbelievable. The rehab thing, that's great. I would love to see the pharmaceutical companies uh, invest more money in a rehab, but we can also take steps to prevent those people from getting hooked in the first place, totally. which is even more important. But now we have, I mean, we have so many millions of Americans, 200,000 dead, you know, 60,000 a year. Not Most people don't die. Yeah. So you that, that, imagine. That's yeah. It's just yeah. the tip of the iceberg right yeah. there. So, it, I mean, it just goes everywhere. And it, and it affects, you know, people in Trump country. It affects rural individuals. Oh, West uh, Virginia, for total, fuck's sake. Oh I mean, God, <laughs> like, yeah, the, yeah, the, the South. <coughs> of course. Oh, excuse me. <coughs> yeah, West, the West Virginia coal miners, man, those physical labor jobs. Yeah. Those are the people that get hurt. Yeah. Um, and that's, of course, to bring it all together is why we need medical and legal recreational marijuana. Yeah. Uh, that would be so much more productive uh, and so much uh, people people would be more productive and less addicted to, uh, to hard drugs. And, uh, they would I don't know if they'd be more productive. I don't know about that. <laughs> if you do it in a certain way. I had a, gram- I had a grandmother call in on, on Fox News Radio and she's like, I take, I take weed. I, I take weed. I love the weed. I'm, she's like, I'm cool, Grandma. <laughs> Thanks, cool, Grandma. Yeah, she's very sweet. Um, all right, so that's that. Uh, what's going on right now? Email your congressman. Call your congressperson. Call your senator, uh, and just you know, just tell them that hey, you know what? We're sick and tired of this being bought and sold by big pharmaceutical companies. They're devastating our communities, devastating our towns. And you know, when we go across the country on our um, on our road shows for last podcast on the left. You, it is. It's an eye opener, man. When yeah. we went upstate to uh, to Ithaca, just driving through um, New York State, just burned why out. Wouldn't, why wouldn't you do oxy? Yeah. What else you got to do? So we got to start. Uh, we got to. We got a I lot actually, more things to, uh, I, to to work on here. I think we did have quite the extensive conversation about how you would drink yourself to death if you lived up there. Yeah, I'm going to do that here. <laughs> so that that's going to happen no matter what. Um, all right, let's move on a little bit here. I want to talk. I don't want to beat this to death too much here. Uh, but what happened in Niger, uh, there were four uh, United States uh, soldiers who were killed. Um, let's see. We had Sergeant David Johnson. He's the one that uh, his family is the one at the at sort of the, the front of the storm here regarding Donald Trump and uh, Donald Trump speaking with them. Uh, Staff Sergeant Brian Black, Staff Sergeant Jeremiah Johnson and uh, Staff Sergeant uh, Wright. So four individuals lost their, lost their lives. Extremely sad uh, situation. LaDavid Johnson wasn't found until two days later. Was LaDavid uh, Johnson the one that Trump told his widow he knew what he signed up for? Yes, that was the, uh, that's the, yes, that is what Donald Trump said. There was a larger context to it. This is not the hill that I'm going to die on when it comes to criticizing Donald Trump. Right. Um, I think there was uh it's gone through so many different versions. It's been so politicized. Donald Trump does himself zero favors whatsoever. He it's going an, back. It's another scandal created by him. By him. Uh, going back to last week, Donald Trump was the one who politicized this calling of the family of the fallen in the first place. Uh, when he said that he does more phone calls than Barack Obama, he's better at the consoling. He's a better consoler and chief than Obama. I have no idea why he made this a competition. It's just the way that his brain works. Yeah. He can't. He can only think about things in context of competition because he's a freaking moron. Um, So he's the one who politicized it first. Frederica Wilson, the congresswoman out of Florida, for all intents and purposes, from what I understand, uh, she's a relatively successful congressperson. They seem to like her. Good, uh, Good congresswoman. 
She went on every single television network that ha- would have her, um, and she said that the family was uh, extremely offended by Donald Trump's tone, um, and she really, you know, was trying to make a name for herself as well. And again, based on the the life of a soldier, who I firmly believe LaDavid Johnson would not appreciate this post politicized being politicized post-mortem. That is a personal, just a total pet peeve of mine when people are politicized post-mortem, whether it be one of the 58 individuals dead in the Las Vegas shooting or these four soldiers here. I, I, that, that's the saddest part about all of this is that they are being, their names are being run through the, through the mud and no one's really focusing on the, on the family and the grief that they're going through. It immediately got politicized and that is just such a sad, sad set of affairs. I know it's a sad set of affairs, but what if their death was contributed to directly by the politics of America? Then well, what do you do? You know, we have our bases over there. They were training. Uh, they were training the uh, the people, the forces over uh, in Niger. You know, we have we have people everywhere. This was their Green Berets. Uh, they knew what they were. Uh, they knew the mission. They understood why they were there. They, it was a volunteer position, volunteer post. I think that's what Donald Trump was attempting to say. Now I'm of sick of course, that shit. Uh, I am so sick of. Well, I think that's what was Trump was trying to say. This is what you know. People yeah. having to come out and interpret his bullshit and trying well, to find something under. Underneath what he is saying, there's nothing underneath. There's never been if anything. You read, underneath. If you read the full quote in context, you do hear this from like soldiers as well, where it's like that's what that is what they signed up to do. They understand that, and that's like their brotherhood. Uh, that's their whole thing. If you listen to like John Kelly, uh, General John Kelly, who gave an amazing press conference, I thought, although he did uh, wrongfully say that Frederica Wilson spoke. Uh, at a uh, at a I believe it was a, a, an event for uh, the FBI and talked about fundraising and things like that. There were some things that he did get wrong, but the emotional aspect, because of, of course, uh, John John Kelly is a gold star father himself, mm-hmm. uh, losing his son in 2010. Uh, he mentioned that Barack Obama did not call, but he also said that that's fine. He's he actually told Donald Trump not to call. He said the family wants to hear from the friends, from fellow soldiers. That's who they want to hear from. Yeah. And Donald Trump, of course, being Donald Trump. Uh, he gets in his own way. He's a, he's an, uh, he's a drunk trying to get out of the bar, and he trips over his own feet. Um, you know, he sets up, he puts his own minds in the field, and then forces himself to run through it like Rambo in the latest Rambo, which was incredible. Came out a couple of years ago. Remember that <laughs> Rambo that movie was so good. Yeah, but that's Donald. So that's all Donald Trump's fault. Um, but I, but uh, when John, when when General John Kelly was talking, uh, you know, a lot of people on the left started to sort of criticize him, and I totally disagree with Sarah Huckabee Sanders being like, you can't criticize him or ask him questions because he's a you know five star or four star general. I think he's a five star general. How many stars we got here? Five, five star general, <laughs> um, which is total nonsense. Of course, you can ask anyone in government anything, and especially now that he's a private citizen, he's no longer in the military. Um, but, you know, he did make some really strong uh, points, I think, just about uh, the respect that needs to be shown for the soldiers and how this entire thing is really disheartening uh, and incredibly sad for uh, for the family members, specifically the ones that aren't being discussed nearly as much as David Johnson and his family. Um, so, you know, it is uh, it's one of those things where it's been politicized to the point where we're losing sight of the uh, of the real uh, of the real loss and people are calling this Trump's Benghazi it's a little bit different than Benghazi because if you look at the embassy uh, in Libya of course these were ambassadors these were not soldiers it's a little bit different but I do understand the comparison to some degree um, between Benghazi and uh, what happened in Niger 
Nonetheless, Donald Trump created this controversy for himself. And it's just another case where we got a guy who doesn't quite understand optics or how to control himself. And he tries to make everything a competition. This is such an easy case. This is it's not easy to do for a president whatsoever. It's really difficult. Um, these these sort of situations. But all he should have done is tried to console the nation. Tell us what happened and say our hearts are with the families. Um, I overheard I did the New York Post had one family did release. It was also a black family. And I do think there are some racial politics that some of the mainstream media, including Fox News, of course, they're all mainstream media are trying to sort of stoke without a doubt. There's some racial things going on. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, definitely some people on uh, Frederica Wilson said that Donald Trump's a white supremacist and there's white supremacists in the White House. And of course, again, that narrative is only propelled by individuals like Steve Bannon previously in the White House who wanted uh, who, you know, Breitbart is the platform for the alt-right. I mean, and, and, and of Gorka. course, supporting Roy Moore, uh, you know, the worst Senate candidate in the who is history. That, who is that third one, that dead-eyed son of a bitch? Sebastian Gorka? No, besides Gorka. Stephen uh, Miller. Oh, Stephen Miller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, he yeah. had three of them. Let's, let's not forget. He, had, he yeah. had three avowed white supremacists on his staff. Yeah, yeah. So there is that that place of, <laughs> that that does get into. Uh, there's a little there's a little truth in there, um, but really, yeah. At the end of the day, it really is a, uh, a situation where four people lost their lives, and it's it's just it's one of those sad things that the media has been talking about, and I think uh, really disrespectfully in a lot of in a lot of the uh, the conversations, just a lot of people um, stoking uh, stoking the uh, the pre the preconceived notions, and uh, that Donald Trump is a racist. Of course, again, Donald Trump does himself no favors in that. Anytime that you can have something that sort of um, validates a preconceived notion, uh, such as, you know, uh, racial insensitivity, it's just going to be a loser. So Donald Trump, a lot of people aren't believing him, except for the Trump supporters who will always believe him. And then some people say, uh, you know, Frederica Wilson is just out there for celebrity because she's been talking about how she's famous now and she's enjoying the media attention. And of course, she's going everywhere with her cowboy hat. Uh, Sheriff David Clark said that she looked wacky and she dresses just like him. Um, so I don't know. <laughs> David Clark, is that the guy that, wa- the wears, former, the ca- yeah. that wears the cowboy hat and wears all his medals everywhere he goes? Like yeah, which, child? Aren't, which aren't real. He's not, he wasn't in the military. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's it's uh yeah the former yeah, like, sheriff of Milwaukee who was a horrible sh- he's a hor- he wasn't even the sheriff he was he was on Fox News more than he was uh in the sheriff's office there in Milwaukee uh and of course a uh, an African American fellow himself uh who wore, likes his cowboy hats and things like that so that's really uh that scandal I, I just feel like uh yeah it's been it's been an unfortunate couple of weeks. Uh, when it comes to uh, when it comes to those sorts of things, so we just keep switching off what it's an unfortunate week about. The economy is doing great. <laughs> the the economy is doing just wonderful. Good, and good. Uh, so that's yeah, good. It's good to know. Good to know. Yes, jobs, mm. jobs. Jo- jobs, 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 jobs. Good. Jobs are good. Yeah, you know, it really is. The more that I looked into this, the, the, yeah, this is just not going to be the hill that I'm going to die on when it comes to. Uh, when it comes to Trump, I, yeah. I played. They, if you listen to the the phone there more call, impo- there are more important yes. things to to worry well, about with this guy. He called, as I was saying earlier, with the New York Post. He, so he called this uh, the the family of a, of another officer who was who had uh, fallen. They released the tape. It was on speakerphone, and he really did seem like he sounds like Donald Trump. Yeah. So you have <laughs> so, so he's going to sound awful no yeah. matter what. But but he he was trying to like emote like you know 
sympathy and condolence, and which is a very difficult thing. <laughs> Trying uh, to emote sympathy. It's but like, that it, was the it criticism sounds, of Obama, it, though, too, it, that he couldn't do it. It sounds like you're trying, like he's got like a, a little sack inside of him that he's trying to squeeze out yes. that little bit, like the end of the Batman 1989 with the, with the, <laughs> with the laughing. Uh, <laughs> yes, with, yes. <laughs> It sounds like Sideshow Bob or something. <laughs> but that was also a criticism of Obama that was that he was not uh, emotional enough during you know massive times of tragedy in this country, Ferguson, things like that. Uh, that he was uh, that he was trying to be calm and uh, well, stable. Like that's, I mean, we've me and you have had this argument. We had this argument for yes. Eight I could have gone for a little bit. I we need to find I a balance between Obama and Trump because <laughs> Trump is like Bethany Frankel from Desperate yeah. House or Real Housewives, and Obama was just like Data because yeah. from Star Trek. I'm but just like, can I have some emotion, please? But Data makes me feel good. I like Worf. Yeah, I oh. want Worf. I no, want a Donald President Trump Worf. is Worf. No, Donald Trump is not Worf. Donald Trump is. He's got the temperament he's of Worf. Like, what is it, Stryker? Oh, don't say that Riker's like <laughs> Trump. Whatever. I love Riker. <laughs> Riker's a wonderful first first mate. Uh huh. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Number one, you can't you can't fucking argue with Riker. But no, if, uh-huh. I, if I were to compare Trump to anyone, it would be Worf or possibly his horrible son Alexander. Oh my goodness, I can't get into all that. <laughs> all right. So then, finally, in the news, uh, of course, Bob Corker is not going to be running for re-election in uh, in Tennessee for Senate. Donald Trump says it's because uh, he has no backbone, he has no courage, and because Bob Corker, according to uh, Donald Trump, said, Bob Corker, who helped President O give us the bad Iran deal and couldn't get elected dog catcher in Tennessee, is now fa- is now fighting tax cuts. Corker dropped out of the race in Tennessee when I refused to endorse him, and now is only negative on anything Trump. Look at his record. And then Bob Corker says, same untruth from an utterly untruthful president. Hashtag alert the daycare staff. And then Donald Trump said, isn't it sad that lightweight Senator Bob Corker, who couldn't get reelected in the great state of Tennessee, will now fight tax cuts plus... Senator Corker is an incompetent head of foreign relations committee. Fuck. And look how poorly the U.S. has done. He doesn't have a clue. As the entire world was laughing and taking advantage of us, people like Little, L-I-D-D-L-E, Bob Corker have set the U.S. way back. Now we move forward. But Bob Corker wasn't have any of that. He said, it's a shame the White House has become an adult daycare center. Someone obviously missed their shift this morning. That's the president and the fucking senator <laughs> on Twitter. That's where we're at, ladies and gentlemen. That is a one of the the most powerful man in the world and the most second most powerful, one of the two most powerful people in the state of Tennessee. Uh, what did you say the uh, that that CNN said about this whole thing? Oh, we don't have to. T- we should be talking. They I, literally CNN was like, we could talk about the uranium one deal, and we would. But we can't because we have Donald Trump tweeting every morning. I'm like, you can talk about anything. Anything. You we can d- do anything you want, CNN. We That's just spent, the great thing about you. We just spent almost an hour talking about anything else. Oh my We're going to spend two minutes tops on this, which is what it fucking he deserves. literally called him Little Bob Cor- L-I-D-D-L-E. What is that? It's, it's phenomenal. It, it is the it, dumbest... We got to do better, and we are going to do better. We have to do better. <laughs> we ha- we are nowhere to go. We, from we here. have to, and we are. We have to. We have to do better than this. We have to be better than this. Yep, I Fuck, want the, man. the Dems got some people. They got to do something with the they the. Oh my goodness. Well, that's a whole. We'll keep that conversation going, and we will start focusing as we get closer here. 
um, to the uh, to the elections of uh, of 2020. And we'll see. Well, obviously, we're going to follow closely here what happens with the people, the 34 individuals up uh, in 2018. Of course, nine of those people, uh, Steve Bannon, Republicans, uh, Steve Bannon has promised to uh, to run against. He already won with Roy Moore. Roy Moore, however, in um, in Alabama, check out that Doug Jones, dude. He's they're neck and neck, and Doug Jones, of course, a Democrat out of uh, Alabama. Dougie, it's Dougie Jones. Dougie Jones and Roy Moore. I mean, Roy Moore is just as crazy as you could ever. He he equated. All for help. He uh, yeah. He talked about how uh, the the Supreme Court decision to legalize gay marriage was uh, was as bad as like the Dred Scott decision, things like this. I mean, he's going way back, dude. This guy is like straight up uh, old school, ingrained, ingrained. Uh, He's a traditionalist. Uh-huh. Uh, we'll call him that. Traditionalist. Huh? Yeah, that's how I that's think. Fucking where we're going for here. I, I suppose so. <laughs> you can you can infer whatever you want into that. So uh, honestly, if if Roy Moore loses, if Doug Jones is able to win, that is a big one. That's a that is a watershed moment uh, for people when it comes to running with or without Donald Trump. Let's go for Dougie Jones. Go for Doug. I mean, honestly, you can't vote for Roy Moore. And I never tell people how to vote, but just Roy Moore is really, it it is not normal. It is not normal. Call for help. Call for help. Call for help? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know anymore. Um, All right, everyone. Thanks so much for listening. Rate and review the show on iTunes, please. Uh, We got to start. We are crushing people. We're always always doing great, but uh, we can always do better. So thank you all so much for uh, rating and reviewing on iTunes. Really appreciate that. Um, Also, oh, my goodness, we are two weeks away. From the BK for BK, I can't believe how long or how, how long it has been a long year, but it's been a fast year, too. Yeah, it's um, gone by real fucking fast. If man. you're in New York, you got your voter guide. So cool. So get out there and vote November 7th. Let's let's scare them. Let's let them know that we're serious. And yeah. let's like let the establishment know that there's new voices in town and it's not just going to be the status quo. We want actual politicians who are listening. Uh, and that has been one of my favorite things about this whole campaign, listening to people from all walks of life, stopping and talking to people that you usually just walk by. It, it's just been such an awesome experience. So get out there and vote. Ben Kissel, Brooklyn Borough President, November 7th. Let's let's send a message and uh, you will keep we'll keep this doing. Uh, we'll keep this going. And I encourage you all from my personal experience throughout this campaign. It is worth it to run. It's a massive paid. There are there's paperwork up the wazoo. But it, it just feels really good to be involved. It really does. Uh, so I encourage you all to do it. And if I can do it, you can do it. I promise you that. Um, all right. Find Marcus Parks on Twitter at Marcus Parks. Instagram at Marcus Parks. You got any hot uh, Instagrams? Mm. You have that hail yourself. Oh, by the way, get that hail yourself yeah, shirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Represent.com. I've, I've kind of uh, dropped out of social media for a few weeks now. Yes. Um, Trying to get back in. Get back in Thinking if you want. About it. Or don't. Honestly, man, it does not matter. I, I know. It I do- just I just press what I'm on the shows. And I know. I, interact I, a little bit. I know it doesn't matter. It just, I don't know. It just kind of bums me out. I know. I yeah. know. And I understand, you know, it if. Yeah, I just, you, but you can also try to keep it positive. I just try I to keep my feet as positive. Today I did react to a couple of trolls on Twitter <laughs> like, he's a Hillary ass kisser. I'm like, you know me. I've always been a Hillary ass kisser. Uh-huh, you yeah. know that about me. Yeah. I, oh, I, they're I, so I d- stupid. I try to keep it positive, but it's just as with, with every day that, that goes by, I I have more and more resentment for uh, for social media in, in every aspect. Like yeah. I, I just, it, it's, it's becoming 
a bit of no, I wouldn't say an obsession, but I spend a lot of time thinking about it, uh, and, oh, totally. and I, I really, I really don't like it, and I, I, I think it is, uh, mm-hmm. I, I think it's a pox on humanity. Like I, I think social media has has done far more hurt than it has good. Yeah, yeah. We, uh, well, you know, sometimes it's real good to disconnect, unshutter the eyes. Open, open them for the first time. It's like every sci-fi movie that has a happy ending mm-hmm. where they take down the grid, yeah. and everyone's just like, "Oh, the the sun!" <laughs> or like the what was the movie Wally, where all the fat people fall out of their chairs and they realize that they're human beings. It's you a should- double-edged sword. We wouldn't be here without social media. Exactly. You know, we we absolutely wouldn't be here, and 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 the, the our shows wouldn't have got out to the people if it exactly. if it wasn't for social media. But uh, it it kind of it seems like it's time for something new. You know. Well, every single thing that you do on there is another drip in the ocean and you can keep it positive and uh, if you just it is if you stay focused on what you want to stay focused on that's what I try to do but of course it's almost impossible because you hear just such absurd story I don't want to tell that that I, I don't want to mention the thing uh, with Dave uh, now I have to mention it the David Cross thing the stupidest oh, the stupidest yeah. thing of all it's like this is not real yeah. um, anyway all right everyone uh, I am Ben Kissel at Ben Kissel Instagram at Ben Kissel one. Thank you all so much for listening and support all the shows here on the LPN network. Obviously wizard and the bruiser last podcast on the left round table of gentlemen, page seven, you know where they are. Uh, check them all out. And, uh, as a matter of fact, we have to say wizard and the bruiser, they launched a Patreon. Yeah. So go support that if you could. All right, everyone hail yourselves and talk to you soon. Goodbye. Hey mom. First things first. Thank you. It's my one-year anniversary of my decision to say, yes, I need help, and yes, I choose me. And that's the miracle. I'm lucky that the strongest person I know is my own mother. Love you, Mom. Maxwell. Be that strong person who makes the difference. If your loved one is struggling with drugs and alcohol, reach out to Karen for a different kind of addiction treatment. Visit caron.org slash lost. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts.